Hello, this is Andrew Brewer with Northwest AHEC Healthcare Insights Podcast. Today I have the pleasure of hosting my guest, Daniel Lamphier, who's the CEO of Sneeze, the Sneeze app, and SneezeSafe.com. She is also the Associate Vice President of Best Health for Us and Best Health for Business, which is the wellness corporate wellness arm of Wake Forest Baptist. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you. Thanks Um, for having me. So let's go start from the beginning. Um, There's an app. It's called Sneeze. Yeah. And give us a little background on how all that got started. Yeah. So the Sneeze app was invented by Dr. Bill Satterwhite and Dr. Steve Hodges, who's a pediatric uh, urologist. Dr. Satterwhite is a pediatrician. Um, Invented that in 2016 with the idea that, you know, they just felt like parents and they as pediatricians really wanted to know better what was going around in the community and that parents needed that information in order to make good decisions about health care for their families. So to be able to know, you know, is strep throat going around at my school or is lice going around at my school, that sort of thing. And so it really was a crowdsourced app. So sort of like ways for illness. Um, and though, and so that's really the original genesis of the idea, and it trucked along like that for a couple of years. And then um, in late 2019, we really started to evolve that application to be something new and different to better meet the needs of our of our audience. So those moms who really wanted even more information. So we wanted to be able to add in more healthcare data um, that would really tell us what diagnoses were happening out there in, um, in our communities, in our neighborhoods. And so we partnered at that point in time with Wake Forest Baptist Health and later with Atrium Health to be able to get that data directly from the health system where we could, you know, bring in the diagnosis data um, based on zip codes. So all de-identified, but all the diagnosis codes related to the illnesses that we track, and we track 14 of them. So everything from the flu to now COVID, obviously, um, but also things like hand, foot, and mouth disease, um, vomiting and diarrhea, um, allergies. Um, A lot of times people want to know, is it allergies or is it cold or the flu. Um, It's good to know if other people have been diagnosed with allergies in your area. Um, But really what we get there is the diagnosis information and a zip code. And so people can look at the heat maps within the Sneeze app um, to see what is going around in their area. Great. I love that analogy, ways for uh, community health, basically. And, and, you know, to improve the health of the community fits right in with Northwest AHEC's mission, which is to expand capacity and quality of, of, of quality health care in, yeah. in our in our community so it fits right in and Dr. Satterwhite was one of my early guests on this podcast I think episode three for those listeners who uh, follow the podcast um, so I, you know ha- I think that's so important the the data part of it I mean it's one thing to report symptoms but it's another thing to 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 map on all that data so tell me about how how you get those data sources and how that's applied and and what that looks like in the in the app yeah absolutely so as i mentioned we partnered in late um 2019 uh with wake forest baptist health and then in uh, early 2020 right before the pandemic hit we also partnered with atrium health and the idea was that we would get all the diagnosis data from the pediatricians offices and the urgent cares and the emergency rooms primary care practices and see what's really going around and so that data actually is completely de-identified you don't 
don't know whose it is. All we know is what those diagnosis codes are and what zip codes the people live in that were diagnosed with those conditions. And so the data comes from the electronic medical record out to a data warehouse. It's stripped of all the information that might identify it. And then all we get is that data feed. And then it populates our heat maps. And so the darker the color on the map, the more cases of illness of that particular illness in that zip code. So again, it allows you to kind of look to see where you live and say, wow, gosh, strep throat is going around. And then the other thing that we did at that same time and the partnerships with the health systems were that they could get care directly from the app. So um, there's a button in the app now that says get care. And so if I look at that as a mom and I see strep throat's going around, my child has um, a sore throat and maybe a fever, I might say, gosh, I really need to get them care. I wonder where the urgent care is near me. I can actually click on that button and see um, and reserve a spot at the urgent care um, at Waste Forest Baptist Health, for example. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I was going to say how just how cool it is to see locality or mm-hmm. location information because i i think until recently we probably thought of flu season being just everyone mm-hmm. and strep throat being just everywhere and uh what the location information uh really shows us and what we've learned from covid just seeing where the hot spots are is that infectious disease outbreaks happen more on a localized basis so um what do you see like do you, you know put your crystal ball on and and um how do how does this play out as far as like how communities react and how like behavior might change based on knowing that hey there's not much strep in our area so you know just kind of riff on that for a second yeah um well i think covid changes a lot of the ways that people think about illness and the spread of illness so if we think about all the mantras that we've heard over the past seven months right Um, It's wash your hands, it's keep your distance, it's wear your mask. And I really wonder if we don't see going forward, even after we're past this, even after we have a vaccine, if we don't start to see people's behavior change and we start to look more like some of the Asian countries who typically do wear masks when they're not feeling well, that's a common thing to not share your germs. And so I do wonder if then you look at a map a year from now or two years from now and you see, wow, the flu is really going around in 27104. I think I might wear my mask out today when I go to the grocery store because my um, family member is recovering from cancer or I have a chronic illness that might make me more susceptible to that. And so it really might long-term change our behavior, which I think is not a bad thing necessarily because overall that would help us be more well as a community. So really our um, driving force at Sneeze is really to help people get smart, not sick. So the information in the app itself is really designed to do that. In fact, all of the things that we work on now in the sneeze space are all about getting smart and not sick. Mm-hmm. Now you, uh, well, let me continue on that for a second. Um, yeah, once I think the shock and trigger over everyone having to wear masks wears off, I think we will realize those opportunities to prevent spread of infectious mm-hmm. disease. And it'll be interesting to see how other infectious disease react to human change in behavior now that we're all considered petri dishes of of bacteria (laughs) yeah one actual interesting anecdote is that we work very closely at wake forest baptist health um, as well as with sneeze um, with wake forest university so you have there a congregate community living environment um, a total of almost 9,000 people between students, faculty,
faculty and staff, and they track over time and have for years um, influenza-like illness. So they look for symptoms because when you get an illness on campus, particularly in a communal living environment, things run rampant, just like they do at a um, retirement community, for example, right? Or a daycare. Or a daycare, exactly. That's a that's a great analogy. And so. Um, you know, they started looking at their influenza like illness right now. And even with all the increased calls that they've had over some of the COVID type things, what they aren't seeing is flu. And right now is a time where they typically would actually see quite a few influenza like illnesses. And so they've had a significant decrease as a result of the fact that people are washing their hands, staying six feet away and wearing their mask. And so it really is that behavior is having a huge impact on other communicable illnesses um, Mm -hmm. in in our environment so in our community so I think again if we've done nothing else but learned how to better wash our hands I think we're better off as a as a society right Um, that will prevent a lot of illness going forward by doing better practicing better um, illness reduction strategies right now I'm not an infectious disease expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I've always heard that there's some value to you know letting your kids eat the sand in the sandbox at the playground and you know lick lick the swing uh, or or the the slide rail or something you know because you can eat all those things. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. So you're going to build up some immune system. Are we at risk for lowering immune systems over time if we don't expose ourselves to the the non-lethal but but maybe somewhat uh you know illness causing germs i mean i just curious yeah that's a great question and i'm not an infectious disease specialist either (laughs) so i'm going to defer to them but but I, i certainly think that um it's a balance right so in all things moderation i think that was um Ben Franklin or something, um, who said moderation in all things, including moderation, including maybe moderation. it's the same idea there. So, you know, again, I think it's that balance of there are some things that, yeah, if you get them, it's fine. It's an inconvenience, but other things we might really want to avoid that can be deadly and the flu can be deadly. I mean, mm. as we, as we know. So, um, and again, I think it matters whether or not you have people in your life who are compromised, have compromised immune systems, have, you know, are recovering from cancer or have another chronic illness. And so for those people especially i think we want to be more careful no matter when the time is whether it's COVID or other times yeah well i think you know as humans we've kind of you know at least in the western world we've we've gotten a little or before COVID, we gotten we got a little comfortable with uh shared spaces and uh you know things like salad bars and you know condiment areas where there's you know you dip the spoon in and there's maybe a sneeze guard that covers half of it but all that stuff's gone now uh, and i don't think it's coming back yeah unfortunately it probably i mean for convenience wise and and things like that it's probably not but uh yeah for for germ spray i always wondered about that you know the the king of the hell episode where the world's longest buffet and the second longest sneeze guard yeah kind of thing well yeah <laughs> but you know there's good things about uh what we've learned in covid too right so the um airplanes are now all loading from the back makes complete sense i think southwest used to do it from the very beginning so rather than have people step all over each other and come into all kinds of contact well it's actually more efficient to do it that way and now they've had a reason to do it and probably they won't take it back so it'll be interesting i think personally to see not on topic necessarily but i think it'll be really interesting to see what happens post-covid about what changes we've made as a as a society Mm -hmm. um that maybe are permanent now, back to the app, um, I guess some of the rollout is 
like corporate and universities and stuff like that wide um is it for individuals too can they just download the app and and start benefiting from the localized information yeah so the sneeze app absolutely so the sneeze app is actually intended for individuals to use and to be able to connect to care when needed and to track illness and so again they've got those 15 illnesses um, that we track within the sneeze app including covid Um, but it really was designed for consumers for individuals um, for parents we know who are really interested in that sometimes where older adults again who were interested anybody who's got kids in preschool the preschools really loved uh, love the app. Um, we had to pivot when when uh, COVID hit. So there was a, not a lot going on in other illnesses at that time because we were coming into spring. So flu season was over, and then COVID really just took all the national attention. And people had different needs at that time, and so we actually pivoted into a brand new product. So the Sneeze app itself is available through the App Store, downloadable at Apple um, at the Apple Store, Apple. Yeah. What is it called? Whatever <laughs> the it Apple is. App Store. Yeah, that's yeah, obvious, right? Um, and then Google Play. But then we also created another product called Sneeze Safe. Um, Sneeze Safe is a completely separate product. It exists outside of the App Store. It's actually a web-based application that we deployed at the request and interest of a number of employers. Um, and that's just understanding the need of, again, people need information to make good decisions. So employers wanted to keep their employees well and working. When I um, think about it from Wake Forest Baptist Health and all of our direct-to-employer work that we do, you know, that's our goal is to help employers keep their employees well and working. And we had a ton of people come to us in that short period of time and say, we need someone to come take temperatures and and ask questions about whether or not people have symptoms or exposures, or if they've traveled, can you help us? And you really need a tool um, in that regard. It can't really be, it's too expensive to have a person stand there all day long, 24-7, and interview all your people. The beauty of the Sneeze Safe app, which is contracted either through the health system, so we actually resell that product to a lot of our um, direct-to-employer clients, or it can be bought outside of this market directly from Sneeze, um, and information can be gotten at sneezesafe.com, is really designed for employers to say, are these people ready to come to work? Are they okay? Right? So they, I don't have symptoms. I don't have an exposure. I'm feeling good today. I don't have a positive COVID test. Because if I have any of those things, then it connects me to care. And then I've got to talk to a nurse to decide, do I need to get tested? Do I need to go to the, the um, urgent care? Am I really struggling and need to actually go to the emergency room? But that really connects them back to care. So again, that idea of get smart, not sick, you know, the employer wants to be smart, too, about who they bring into their space. And this is a tool that allows them to do that. Yeah, um, I think this whole period of time in our lives uh, is really waking a lot of people up to their own wellness and mm-hmm. corporate wellness. And I really think that one of the results, you know, a lot of universities and businesses uh, have to publish their uh, crime statistics. Um, and uh, it seems like they'll it'll probably be a value for universities, schools, businesses to publish their wellness information. To, so like, you know, days without employee sickness or, or total hours of employee lost productivity. That's a great due point. To, I hadn't thought about that. You know, yeah. and just have a, that's kind of a, you know, here's how healthy and safe we are. And we promote that. We put our money where our mouth is in wellness. Because, I mean, corporate wellness has been around for a while and it, 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 it varies in place to place. And, and, and the 
uh, amount of commitment mm-hmm. that, that they give. And I think working in, in a healthcare system, we, we have tremendous resources for us. And I've always taken advantage of those things. And, and uh, you know, it's a, a big part of, you know, it's near and dear to my heart is, is staying in shape and staying healthy. Because at the end of the day, that's really the wealth that, that yeah. I have versus monetary wealth is, is just my health and fitness. But I, I, where am I going with this? So I think that um, there's, there, there's, we're going, probably going to see a trend of publishing wellness information as a, you know, a, a, as a pr- promotional or, or, you know, uh, uh, you know, look at us, we're, we're great in the wellness space. It makes sense because when you think about that, all of these universities, for example, or even the public school system or any of our um, county health departments, they're publishing these dashboards right now about sickness, but that's not really the conversation that we want to be having long-term. We're having it now because we're in a pandemic and we have to, but long-term really what we do want to be talking about is wellness and you know, how do we reduce our rate of diabetes or how do we reduce our rate of high blood pressure? How do we reduce our rate of cancers, et cetera? You know, how can we promote our numbers of screenings? You know, what percentage of our women over um, the recommended age have had their mammograms or how many people have had their recommended colonoscopies? Like those are great things to publish and, and talk about. And it makes them more, it makes everybody more aware of the need to do them. And maybe, again, that might be one of those good things that comes out of the pandemic is that we get used to looking at these dashboards mm-hmm. of what's going on on campus, what's going on at my business, what's going on in my county, what's going on when I look at the Sneeze app, right? Um, it gives me that information. And, and, it, and again, it informs me. I, I can use that, that information, that intelligence to make smart decisions for myself personally or for my family. Um, and I think that's really important for us. The more information we have, if it's the right information, can be really helpful as it relates back to our personal wellness. Yeah, I think that's some of the benefits of the information age and where we've come to with these uh, supercomputers in our pocket called smartphones and all that, that as we get more used to understanding the data that each one of us produces and then the aggregation of that mm-hmm. and the sharing of that and how beneficial that can be to human progress and, and development. Um, I, I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about like, it, you know, even from like a nutrition standpoint of like reporting how much sugar and salt was sold in this area over how much fiber and, and mm-hmm. protein and, and vegetables or something like that, you know, like you could map health, uh, trends based on the nutrition of locality yeah and then i think the challenge is for us to think about what information matters right Mm -hmm. because there's so much information and data that's produced constantly but which key pieces of information which research certainly helps us determine that should we really be focused on Mm -hmm. what are those key indicators um, that tell us the important information and i will say so to take it back to the sneeze safe application which is our covid Um, symptom tracking application that's one of the ways that a lot of our employers are using it so they're saying what are the key pieces of information that we need to know as a business to say should I leave this store location open or not and so they've been able to divide and subdivide their populations into individual store locations or even parts of the manufacturing floor so we have one manufacturer out in old fort north carolina who divides his entire you know 60 person workforce into six groups 
and they're told not to, you know, stay in your group so that if he has an outbreak, he's got somebody who's reporting symptoms or an exposure, he's not shutting down his whole floor. Mm -hmm. He's just shutting down part of it and cleaning it and testing everybody and using the data, using important good data as a smoke signal, as a early warning sign to say, whoop, stop, hold up a second. And the same thing with a number of our retail partners. So, you know, we've got a a retail client that has 15 locations across um, North Carolina, Virginia, and South Carolina, and they track each store individually. So they know, well, wait a minute, I've got some cases here in my Raleigh store. I need I need to take action. But that's a good way to say what data is the important data and how do we use that to make good decisions um, for public health purposes? Yeah, I, we, we have that same problem with uh, just user behavior kinds of stuff in, in the event marketing space. And that is like we have ton of data and ton of information, but we don't really know what questions to ask it. You know, and that's the toughest part is figuring out what is the relevant question. Mm-hmm. We have all every answer is already here. Right. We already know the answer is 42. Right. But what was the question? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the problem. <clears throat> um, so what you know, you're in the app space um, as well as corporate wellness. Uh, what the, the you know, the things that you see in medical technology and medical future uh, for wellness and stuff. What, what are some other things that you see that have caught your eye that were noteworthy or what, what are some of your uh, just crystal ball predictions mm-hmm. about what kinds of things we'll see, uh, you know, in the near future as far as tracking and reporting information and, yeah. and all that. Again, there's so many things to choose from. It's a very crowded marketplace when you think about wellness apps or healthcare apps or just healthcare technology, and there's so much information. So I think what ends up being the thing that works best for people? And and again, when we think about it, what we concentrate are those relationships is how do we connect people back to their point of service, to someone who knows them and kind of knows what their needs are? And can we use technology in a way to better connect people to care and care that matters? And so, um, you know, I think that's one of the key things to look for because everyone looks at their phone right now and how many apps do you have versus how many do you use? And I think the number is like you use 10% or something of the apps that you have on your phone. So if you've got 60 apps on your phone, the likelihood is you use six of them. And I could probably name most of the six because most people use some fairly common apps. And a a single one-trick pony app, a lot of times, is not a valuable application for people to have. So, you know, what are those things, though, that enhance our relationships, particularly in a time like COVID, where we feel so disconnected and so isolated? And so where I think the market is starting to move and where I hope it's moving is back towards this place of connecting, using technology to connect people appropriately. Um, when needed. So can can technology help determine when you as a person need to be connected to a provider, when you need to be connected to a doctor or a nurse or a, um, uh, a counselor, you know, behavioral health counselor? Can we use technology in a smart way, either through AI or decision logic, to make those smart connections and for you to feel like that relationship is strengthened and for the provider to feel like that relationship is strengthened? So rather than sending you off, to who knows where, um, to an AI type situation or to a phone bank that's disconnected from your doctor, can we use it to, to strengthen relationships? So that's the kind of things we'd love to see and are continuing to build towards in our business at least. But also when I look out at the landscape, the ones that I kind of look at a little bit um, askew maybe are those ones that tend to send people away from those relationships that actually are helpful and, and supportive of them as a person. 
again, particularly during this time when people feel so isolated versus ones that help connect them back Mm -hmm. to their community, to their local provider, to somebody who already knows them and cares about them. Yeah, I think that's kind of what I was in had in mind was which one's the push and which one's the pull and Mm -hmm. and 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 what I in in the dystopian view is like you want to go into some place or you want to participate somewhere and there's this sort of temperature uh (laughs) sensor that's you know you're 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 showing hot and all of a sudden it isolates you and says no you can't go and And who wants to be that person who gets called out of the line because they walk through the gate and maybe it was just hot in their car yeah right yeah exactly i mean i went to get my hair cut and i was outside for a while and i I came in and i I showed up as hot and i was like wait let me let me cool off do it another three minutes and it then it showed up as as normal so i'll give you a little bit of a tidbit so we have taken probably several hundred thousand temperatures um our team has uh, at uh, best health for business at all these different businesses around the region um since we'll call it mid-april at the latest and I think one person has been sent home for a temperature. Mm-hmm. We send people home for a lot of other reasons, mostly symptom-based or exposures or, oh, they had a COVID test that they were waiting on a, on a result for and they didn't tell their employer. Well, they shouldn't be at work. Um, but for temperatures, generally speaking, what we find is that adults don't show up at work with a temperature. Mm-hmm. Adults with a temperature are like in a fetal position in their bed, <laughs> right? Um, thinking they might you know, feeling like they're going to die. So they don't come to work that way, but they do come to work with a cough. They do come to work with a headache. They do come to work with a sore throat. And so those are the things that we want to actually say, no, 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 we don't want you on the factory floor today. We don't want you working in the restaurant. We don't want you teaching a class. We want you to go home and get tested. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's just interesting because the the outward thing that we've all done that they're doing at restaurants and they're doing at gyms, et cetera, is to take people's temperature, mm-hmm. which is makes sense because it's a visual cue of we're doing something, which is important. But in terms of actually identifying people who might be COVID positive or might have COVID, it's probably not the most effective strategy that we can use. Yeah, yeah. So what, are there any plans to add um, more wellness-based? I mean, this is sort of uh, frontline kind of symptoms-based, like being proactive and and, mm-hmm. and, and and a bit reactive to to a specific set of things. But I'm, I'm thinking more like the 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 you know the Fitbit and the my zones and all that but having a step further where people can really correlate their nutrition information and their sleep data and their workout regimens and then it you know provides this positive feedback to hey you're getting better shape and I mean yeah. I guess there's already apps that are doing yeah. that but you know thinking like the crowdsource model and combined with the de-identified data from the whole community it can kind of give you a leaderboard of how well you're doing uh in your age group your cohort your your location that kind of stuff yeah i think there's a lot of potential to go in a lot of those directions particularly because some of the things you just referenced there's a lot of adults are competitive they want to be sort of above where everybody else is um And I think if you could have some dashboards or some other information to track other illnesses or chronic diseases, um, it might be beneficial. I think it's something definitely to explore. It would be a great research topic, I think. Um, 
And I think in the area of research too, a lot of the data that we're collecting now is really is could could be really powerful and really effective in identifying other opportunities to improve wellness and improve health. It may also provide a lot of information with regard to COVID. So, you know, we're working with a SneeSafe app to um, SneeSafe application to connect with um, the Community Research Partnership National COVID Study. So some of the folks who participate in the workplace with the um, COVID symptom survey are also participating in the study. So we think that could be something that could happen in other places. So you might have people who are tracking their migraines or, um, you know, seeing if there's any connection between weather and migraine or, or whatnot. So I think there's a lot of other opportunities to track wellness, to track illness, to track symptoms, and then connect it to back to care in a meaningful way that mm-hmm. overall improves the health and wellness of our community. Yeah, I think that, you know, we're, we're just, we're still kind of in the infancy of all this electronic health record and, uh, you know, all the, uh, just all the data that's collected so i think i think there's just so much opportunity out there mm-hmm. i'm going to shift gears for a minute just back to corporate wellness um you know it's it's been a a buzzword i guess or a, a trending thing for quite a while now i mean i remember hearing it back in the 80s and and uh what what are some trends that you've seen since you've been involved in that space uh up to let's say before covid when things yeah, were, were normal, normal. Right. You know, what, what what are corporations focusing on as far as wellness yeah i think that the best trend that i've seen um and so i've been at wake forest baptist health since december of 2017 And the most important thing that we've seen corporations do is to provide access to healthcare um, for their workers, particularly if their workers are more blue collar factory hourly workers who can't leave in the middle of the day to go to a doctor's appointment or share transportation to get to work. And so for those uh, companies to open on-site clinics where people can come and take care of what their needs are during the workday, either before or after work or during the workday, um, and to do it on the clock with no copay makes a huge impact on their health. So they'll take care of things um, like their diabetes, like their high blood pressure, like something else that might be going on before it becomes an emergency. So they're not in the emergency room um, unnecessarily at 7 p.m. Um, because they could go see the, the nurse practitioner or the PA at 2 o'clock in the afternoon when they had a break earlier um, off the line. Mm-hmm. So that access point being so close to where they are and them really not having restrictions on that access has really been one of the key driving factors, I think, to improving wellness from an employed population standpoint um, in the marketplace right now. I think the other major thing that we've seen is behavioral health and, and access to behavioral health in the same way. So we have a number of engagements where we deploy a care net counselor, a behavioral health counselor with our nurses, with our nurse practitioners and PAs in the model. And um, again, people have access to that person. They know them. They feel comfortable with them because they've seen them. It's not that scary idea of I'm going to call up a counselor that I've never met before. I don't know if it's going to be a person I connect well with. They're not really going to understand what my work environment is, is like. Instead, they get this person who's walked through their work environment, who knows, you know, what it's like who may know even what else is going on around them and that they have easy access to for whenever they might need so it might be sometimes that they just have a minor crisis that they need to get coached through and that counselor can do that for them it doesn't require a 45 minute sit down in their office they can do that virtually either by video or by phone 
um, but provide that support and prevent people from having crisis. Um, it really, that early intervention is really meaningful. And so a lot of our employers have really recognized that value of behavioral health being part of the plan and not just from an EAP standpoint. So a lot of people think, oh, well, we offer this service through the phone or that people can get these 10 visits a year, but people don't use them. And so when you ask the employers about, well, how often do those get used? They don't. Mm -hmm. But yet when you look at it, a lot of the population is on antidepressants or um, anti-anxiety medications. And so clearly there's a behavioral health epidemic in this country that's not being managed well. And so by by introducing counselors into the workplace environment, into these workplace clinics, you can really do a lot of good um, at a very close level to where people are actually working and living. People spend a lot of their time at work Mm -hmm. and the people that they interact with largely come from work, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's also where a lot of their stressors come from. That's where a lot of the drama in their life may come from. Um, And they carry their family life with them into work. And so um, that part really makes a difference as well. And then the last thing I would mention is focus on chronic conditions and trying to help their employees to better manage their chronic conditions by lowering access to um, whether it be diabetes-related drugs, high blood pressure-related drugs, those types of things, and making sure that people can get what they need when they need it, that they're not running out, or that it's not too high of a price point. Because I manage, a person with diabetes who's well-managed over time and also in an individual year is going to be a less, much less expensive participant on the health plan than one who isn't. But they're also going to be much more present at work, much more productive at work, and they're more likely to stay in a, in a job when they have good access to good health care. Yeah, I think, you know, that was a great summary, I I think, or overview. I think, uh, you know, the old viewpoint of employee wellness is healthy snacks in the snack machine and and little blood pressure checks, lunchtime yoga Mm -hmm. and and, and movement uh, opportunities and stuff like that. I mean, I'm lucky enough to work here where where there's, you know, we get standing desks and we get ergonomically evaluated and and we have employee health and we have these little stations around where we can check our blood pressure and, and do all that. So so just self-knowledge, mm-hmm. too, about what's available to you and, and, and that kind of thing. What what kinds of things? I mean, is behavioral health such a huge, huge topic? Um, you know, what, what types of things do you see employers doing to motivate employers to, to actually be invested and committed to their own wellness, um, not just access to services, but to really be proactive mm-hmm. and, and, and motivating through, you know, what kind of incentives are, do you see out there that, that promote wellness and lowering cholesterol and blood pressure and BMI mm-hmm. and all the things? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I think the conventional wisdom was to provide incentives, like you said. Um, we see over time the last 10 years or so, a lot of employers have paid people to do their annual biometric screening or paid people to a health risk assessment or paid people to, um, do a a series of health coaching, Mm -hmm. um, appointments. At the end of the day though, I think that people need to make a decision for themselves, um, that they want to feel better, that they want to, um, 
improve their health. But a lot of times that is tied to all the other things in life. So we're not, as humans, we're not single dimensional. Um, There's all those other factors about why am I not, why have I not lost weight? Why have I not controlled my cholesterol? Why have I not invested in my um, behavioral health? Why have I not gone to see the counselor? Oftentimes it's not about that I didn't get the $150 incentive, right? Mm -hmm. It's about, did I have the time? Did I have the bandwidth? Like just mentally, Mm -hmm. right? Do I have mentally the bandwidth to go to the grocery store to plan my meals to cook a healthy dinner for my family or am I coming out of my job after 12 hours mentally exhausted physically exhausted and like the only thing I can do is drive through the drive through right mm-hmm. and and oh by the way I haven't had time to get my mammogram or to go to my annual doctor's appointment or even know what my cholesterol is so pay me an incentive doesn't necessarily change that I really think it comes back to and what so many employers have now realized is your return on investment is so much better if you invest in care for your employees, if you invest in the access to that care and you invest in things like behavioral health or access to prescription drugs, um, that type of thing pays so much greater dividends, access to health coaches if people want them, access to healthy food options, um, access, access, access. So Mm -hmm. if I had to say that's the key buzzword in employer-based care, I'd say that's 100% it. And the the employers who are most motivated to do those things are those who are self-insured. So if they're paying for the employee benefits, they see the direct benefit of healthier employees. Mm -hmm. So it's not just in their um, attendance at work and how productive they are. It's also in, you know, they've lowered the cost of their own care. They're not improperly using the emergency room. So they're not going to the emergency room for a urinary tract infection or or a a sore throat or a sprained ankle. They're going to the correct place, right? Um, Because they've had access to a nurse that maybe helped guide them, or they were able to go to the employee clinic, which took care of it right there and then for them. And they were back at work. So the best clinic like that operates like some of our great examples where I can walk away from my desk. I've scheduled an appointment for myself in between my meetings. I can walk into the clinic. I'm seen. I'm back out with my prescription 20, 25 minutes later. And I'm on my way to being well again. Or I've been able to get my blood pressure medicine adjusted in that same period of time. Mm -hmm. So it really, I can't stress the access piece enough because I think that's where it really makes the big difference. And I I would personally at least much rather see employers invest in those things in direct care and making sure their people can get access to that care than I would in them paying incentives or providing prizes or trips or any of those types of things because the people who tend to participate in those are the people who are already well (laughs) (laughs) they're the most healthy ones and if we look at all the populations that we've worked with across dozens and dozens of employers that including the ones that work here um, the people who participate most actively in our programs for the most part are the ones that are already really pretty well healthy and on a journey that's not always the case we've Mm -hmm. certainly seen lots of great success stories of people working with um, our health coaches and dietitians who've made huge changes in their own health and Mm -hmm. invested in that way because but again they had access they had access to a dietitian they had access to a health coach they had access to the information so that piece of it always makes a big difference yeah that's great uh one of the things i've noticed uh throughout this pandemic is that the messaging coming from public health is the three W's. And I, I jokingly say, remember the three W's, eat nutritionally dense food, uh, <laughs> exercise often, <laughs> get plenty of rest and drink water. And if people say, well, that's four and there's no W's, but yeah. it's like, that's the conversation I think we need to have next. Yeah. Um, and looking at some of the data that comes out of all the COVID 
studies. I, I, you know, there's an obvious one of vitamin D deficiency mm-hmm. that I've seen. And, and again, I'm no infectious disease expert, but I think vitamin D deficiency, it makes you susceptible to a lot of things. Or excess sugar in your diet. I mean, so if you think about um, sugar in the diet and the American diet and how full of added sugar it is, Um, and how, what's its impact on immunity? Yeah. You know, your immune system, you know, what are we doing inadvertently, right? Not meaning to, um, to our immune systems that mm-hmm. make us more vulnerable to, to germs that come by us. Um, and truly, like you say, working out and eating well, and you'll certainly help yourself. It's not going to be perfect. You'll still catch things, but you probably won't catch as much or have as bad of a time with them. Well, that I mean, that, that's what I think is missing from the discourse is the, the, the proactive get yourself healthy and boost your immune system or at least keep it strong or, or maybe the other side is don't do things that will weaken it. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, one of the, it's proven that sauna is good for the immune system. I mean, heat shock proteins and all this. I mean, you can go look it up. It's, it's, it's a real thing, evidence-based, research-backed. And one of the things I did three times, three or four times a week was sauna mm-hmm. and steam and then cold, you know, cold rinse after that. So that, that was, that was sort of my routine. And now I can't do any of that stuff. So I have to augment it with more running and pay more attention to, to diet and things like that. And I'm, I'm, at that age, you know, my last uh, physical, my doctor said, you know, can't, you know, can't outrun genetics and time. <laughs> and, and you know, I've always had these healthy check-ups. I've always been pretty dialed into wellness and, and my personal health. And, and this last visit, you know, it was like, okay, time to wake up that, you know, there are things you got to pay more attention to and do more of and, and cut out more of this and that. And so, yeah, it's, it's, but I, I want to see in a public discourse that, and it, you know, yeah. I guess, you know, along with all this uh, infectious disease information, it would be great to include some, you know, wellness metrics yeah. for, for the community. And we all can be a part of that. We, we have this notion that, yeah, we're individuals, but we're also, we belong to communities and, and, and we have interest in raising the level of all humans around us. I yeah. Think. Get smart, not sick. Right. Yeah. So it's, it all comes back to this idea of what can I do to, um, to help myself and my community stay healthy. And I think you're right. We, we would love to shift the, the discourse in the community nationally at individual businesses to healthy and not sick mm-hmm. um and how do we get there i think we have to deal with the illness first we've yeah. got to get everyone to kind of get to that place of 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 healthy stability mm-hmm. and then start working moving more and more towards the wellness side yeah. um, and dealing with all those other factors you know your your physical health is not purely about your physical health it's about your financial health it's about your psychological health it's about your spiritual health it's about you know do you have support of your community um what's going on in all these other places around you and so we can't you can't just look at our physical bodies and say i understand completely what's happening Mm -hmm. it's so much bigger than that and i think hopefully the discourse is starting to shift and look at all those different factors and looking at behavioral health and in the impact that that has on our physical health right yeah, it is a holistic view, and I think that the cool thing about the physical part of it is everyone could take a step, an extra step yes. today, and that is a progress towards a better and healthier tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so cool about we have we each have the power 
um, to do something, to be active, to do less of something that creates dis- disease in our body, you know, any toxins and stuff. So when you're getting ready to take that next drink of alcohol, it's like, was this doing me any favors or am I just prolonging the pain till tomorrow? You and know? If, if I go take a walk, I'll maybe lower my stress level too, right? Right. So it, I think... And that's one of the things I've noticed about like all summer, I, you know, way more people walking on the trails and at least maybe, you know, those are the good things. And I just sort of waxing philosophical. I mean, things are good when they're good. Mm -hmm. And when they're good, you kind of don't pay attention to a lot of these things that are lurking in the in the shadows and COVID has kind of woken me up. And I know a lot of people up to you know, the things that are in your control and what types of things can you do to combat the entropy that happens from, from that. And I think, you know, that was the scariest thing for me this Mm -hmm. year was like all the things I relied on for my personal well-being, um, a lot of them disappeared. And therefore I had, I was like, you know, I've got to respond some way, not negatively. I don't want to make it worse. Mm-hmm. So what, you know, really what's meaningful? And it's really, you know, helped me re-energize and recharge my own personal wellness, including mental health. That's great. Um, and, and I think I think it's probably exposed that for a lot of people. And I hope that we all come out of this stronger as a society and in the whole global economy and the global community everyone really picks up the the value of 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 personal health and Mm -hmm. how important that is because again time is all we have really and we want to make the best of our time absolutely so okay off my soapbox um (laughs) Last couple, last couple of questions. Um, so you're in the app space. Are, are you ever worried as a business um, that Google or Apple or some big company is just going to come swallow you up or introduce a competitor that just puts you out of business? It's always a possibility. <laughs> I mean, here's the, that's a possibility for everyone, I think. Um, uh, and it's a great question. I think that, um, you know, I think... The, one of the pieces of value that we bring to it is the understanding of the individual and the understanding of the health system and how to connect those two pieces together. And I think when you separate the patient from a provider, you separate the relationship, which I think a lot of those do. A lot of the apps that we've got on our phones don't have a human element to them. And for many things, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Shopping, oftentimes, if I'm buying toilet paper, which we all know was a great adventure <laughs> the past seven months, then I don't necessarily need a relationship with the person who's selling me the toilet paper. If I'm talking about my, you know, my behavioral health, having a relationship with the person at the other end of the phone or the other end of the um, computer or the other end of the table is actually really important and for me to feel that connection. So I think we... We're going to continue, regardless of what a Google or an Apple or somebody else is doing, we're going to continue to focus on building in the space that we know is uh, really well and focusing on those key elements that we believe are really important, which is helping people to be educated, um, tied to their communities, and tied to um, those people who do help them to stay well, get well and stay well. Great, great. So one last time, the website, how to connect, all that so stuff. So we've got two. So for the app, which is, again, where you can track all the illnesses that mostly 
um, moms and maybe some senior citizens or other people with compromised immune systems would be really interested in would be the Sneeze app. It's available on um, the Apple App Store and Google Play, and you can find it at sneezeapp.com. And then for employers or other um, health systems who might be interested in tracking um, COVID-like symptoms and exposures and using that to make good decisions for their business and to help their employees connect to a nurse or someone else who can help them make good decisions about coming to work or not, that is the Sneeze Safe website application, and that can be found at sneezesafe.com. So oh, sneezeapp.com and sneezesafe.com. There is no E on the end of sneeze. Yeah, S-N-E-E-Z-A-P-P.com and S-N-E-E-Z-S-A-F-E.com. That's great. Well, I appreciate, Danielle, your time today, and thanks for coming on. Thank you, Andrew.